Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Goddess That Ate Fire, a torrid FF romance written by Jane Brooke. A near-death experience leads to an intensive romance. Quirky modern dance savant Kenna Gray's life is spiraling out of control with alcohol and depression because she is gay and terrified of coming out. Her life suddenly changes drastically after she almost dies in a loft fire in Chelsea, rescued by a fearless firewoman who fought her way through a fiery inferno, threw Kenna over her shoulder, and carried her to safety. In the aftermath, alone, dying inside from her denial and her sexual desires, she feels fate's finger touching her. So she rides her bicycle to Staten Island on a journey of destiny. Once there, she invades the firefighter's life to thank her. Unexpectedly, the visit quickly morphs into a catalyst for love and intense sexual fulfillment. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Goddess That Ate Fire. Thor's thunderous hammers striking the anvil and creating an explosion of sparks. Fire and smoke. That's Manhattan. It is hip, cool, fucked up, and a tragic illusion filled with the false icons of perfection. Models, actors, dancers, gym boys, six-pack abs, metro males, prom queens, and clubs moving through it as dehumanizing threshing machines. All the girls are chasing the elusive pitch. Hook up with some Harvard mama's boy. You know, summer in the Hamptons. Sit along the runway as bulimic girls strut designer bling. These elite ladies are convinced. They can't live without the false eye candy, then squirt out a kid or two and play tennis. Meanwhile, their husband fucks some Perth amboy bimbo while their Vassar bride lives out the oldest truth in the world. Whenever you see a beautiful female, there's always some guy tired of fucking her. Forgetting that once a piece of eye candy, no brain work. Well, that tragic state forever leads to a dead end of sorrow. It's a shallow world. It's a sad world. It's a bullet in the head of a girl's broken dreams world. It's my world. I am Kenna Gray, soon to be 22 years old, a 5'6", 118-pound, shoestring set on end, modern dancer, with polar white blonde hair, water blue eyes, and sky-high cheekbones. I'm kind of a young-looking Ellen Barkin look-alike. An imperfect oddball beauty, I have been told repeatedly by guys ad nauseum. I have a small nose, a little bend with a bump on it. A surfboard walloped it. I decided to keep it that way. Though my parents offered to fix it, I like the new me. I have this crooked, quirky smile that makes me seem like I'm always looking for trouble, though I am not. I am a SoCal displaced Newport Beach surfer girl beach volleyball player who plays the flute when blue. I have a secret, my own, and that is that I am a gay girl, still hidden in the coal mine of my denial. Since I can remember, I have always been attracted to girls. Their lips, bodies, hair, and the essence of their body perfume. Because it's the fad now, a lot of empty-headed dancer girls are flirting around the bi world. You know, a la Katy Perry, 
I kissed a girl and I liked it. I swoon thinking of a girl's lips adorned with cherry chapstick. I had to see, so I let two guys in my lying life fuck me. You know, five minutes of running, then the escape to the lazy boy, Packers game, a Bud Light, and a pizza. I was numb and detested it. All I ever wanted in life was to be happy in some girl's arms, but I'm too scared to open that door. Though the girls and boys here at the dance school are physically stunning, they are also vicious and vacuous, and I just couldn't stand being at the gun buck of their gossip if I dared to come out. What is the solution? I don't know. I am sad, so sad, hoping that fate will send some smart girl my way soon, as well as a little bit of courage. Within the matter of DNA and genetics, I was lucky. My mother is the elegant American ballet dancer, a prima ballerina, Giselle Bardot. My father is the Dutch multi-millionaire Tetracar's CEO, genius, Johan Gray. And I, of course, inherited his brilliant brain. I try to be humble because... You know, with my odd look, I'm not feeling pretty. Lots of kids think otherwise. My talent and brains, they were a fucking lotto pick of my parents' DNA. I got lucky. Can't take credit for genetics. Darwin was right. Evolution is a cruel whore. I know that being born gay, well, was a miracle. One I have denied and am ashamed I have done so. I attend Juilliard at the Lincoln Center of Performing Arts. I am a modern dance student. I could have gotten a scholarship, but I talked to my parents, and since they could afford it, we didn't want to take a chance away from some other girl less fortunate than me. So my parents pay my tuition. I am very fortunate. I choose to support myself the best I can and work as a bartender at night in one of the chic bars in Soho. It reminds me that not everyone is as lucky as me. Dance chose me. I did not choose it. My blood is imbued with the feeling of my body responding to the raw emotions of music. It liberates me. Why are we born to be what we are and what we will become? Well, that must be fate. I know that it was for me. My mind is connected to my body, and my feet are conduits to what I am. Dance is how I express myself. The physical aspect is exhausting, grinding, and the total exhaustion from what I do somehow collapses my mind from the continual stasis it always seems to be in. If I could not dance, I could not breathe. It is not like I have a choice. For it is ingrained inside of me as blood is infused into any other girl. Dancing is a sexual experience for me that is the only choice I have to save myself, to allow myself to continue to dream. Though I have always sought love, I fear that love shall never find me. Where is that special girl that will love me? My 2,000 square foot Chelsea loft is simple. My parents own it and allow me to live there. My sweeping bed is low to the floor and has black sheets and a black down comforter on it. 
The color black matches my current mood. My heart seems to be encased in black and sadness. Well, more than that, in reality, I am crushed by disappointment. I have my usual togs on. I am decked out in my fave stovepipe black hip huggers, black work boots, black body shirt, and a hoodie, black again. Though a blonde spindle, I am kind of butch, a pure jock, but I am still a girl working hard to be feminine under the hard exterior. Yet I am a disaster to fashion. I have no sense of it at all. Though male dancers at the school may be cosmetically perfect, they are so egotistical, vacuous, and into themselves. Once or twice, I've been left in my bed emotionally dead, with their semen burning in my cunt as they snuck out of my life before dawn. I now have a strict no-dating-men policy ever, ever, ever again in place. I don't diss men, don't hate them, and have some great men buds. I know some remarkable young men, but there could be more. My feelings should not be so hyper-odd, but they are. For I know I shall always be alone. I have accepted that, regretfully. I only want what every gay girl wants, and that is to be appreciated, respected, and of course to be ripped up by some special girl. That, I now know, doesn't exist on this tragic and cruel planet. I've kind of figured it out. I'm pretty sure I am a submissive in the sex world. I want to be controlled, roughed up. I love hard sex, and it's the oldest story in the world. I'm so sick of denial and would love a slap in the face as well as anal sex from some girl. There is a button on my dildo that makes me crazy as it generates teeth-shattering, body-undulating orgasms. Many of them. I thought my spine cracked one night. <laughs> my bad. Yet the two guys in my past, when I fucked up and hinted that I would find that such a turn-on, well, the ick factor came in. I was embarrassed and humiliated afterwards. Go fucking figure. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I watch a lot of girl-on-girl -girl porn, lol, and have figured it out. If a girl has the right tool belt, I'm smiling, she can climax over and over, where a guy comes once. Strike fucking three, back to the Lazy Boy pizza and Giants game. Hey, babe, can you grab me a brewski? Anyhow, I often work the homeless shelters and food lines with those poor people that have been given nothing in life. Though I cannot help myself, I know I can help others. I am slowly wasting away. I am myopic about my life as why bashes my brain late at night with a simple question, and that is, why am I alone? Can't go there again. Gotta go. I'm late for my audition. I don my black gloves, black hip huggers, backpack, skullcap, and Ray-Bans. Then I grab my bike, skedaddle through my security door, hit the stairs, and I'm gone. It was late, near midnight, when I stopped after my shift at a cool bar in Chelsea for drinks and some nine ball with a couple of crazy gals from my troupe. I threw back many tequila shots. Too many. Kissed everyone goodbye, secretly flirted with a girl, got a no-go sign, and then hopped on my bike and pedaled home. 
After arriving at my digs, I sat on the ledge of my loft window nursing another tequila and smoking a Marlboro and gazed at the undulating neon of the city. I was wearing my comfy white cotton PJ bottoms and my fave white sleeveless man's undershirt, my father's. Then I began looking at my naked toes. They were beat to hell, band-aids everywhere. I love the pain of it. It turns me on. Can you say masochist? I've got Taylor on my music machine. Her gifted genius always calms me. I hope she makes it through the black vortex of Hollywood, just as I am attempting to do in Manhattan, her sister city. Plugging at the bottle of tequila, I smoke more. I know I must stop soon. I hope I'm not one of those self-destructive artists like Baudelaire, Van Gogh, Sand, etc. Troubled men and women that tried to numb the pain of talent within the white flake of the pipe or the green dream of absinthe. Artists so loved until they were loved no longer. Another shot of the golden kiss was a direct conduit to my brain, so I threw it back, plugged more, and slammed that back. I was drunk. So fucking what? I killed my smoke in the ashtray next to my feet, stood, weaved, feeling my head spinning as I saw those tiny dot lights bashing my brain. I felt like going to my dance bar. I had to work those demons out of me, but was too drunk to even do that. Grabbing my bottle of tequila, I weaved to the wall mirror, tried to focus my mind. My head was spinning. My short, blonde hair looked crazy. I looked crazy. I was crazy. So, who is that girl? So white, so out of control. I whispered as I pointed at the mirror as if some wraith was staring back at me. Stumbling, I focused my drunken eyes, gritted my teeth, took a plug from the tequila, reared back and screamed, as I hurled the bottle against the wall mirror, shattering it. You can't have me, you, you fucking bitch. I twirled around, my eyes lost focus. Then I stumbled two steps, did a pirouette, collapsed onto my bed and moaned twice while the ceiling was spinning. Then I passed out, down for the count. It was cold and I was naked as I walked through an iced forest. White snow was dressing tree limbs of great oaks, weeping willows, the frozen earth. And I was shivering as an opaque shawl of white fog grew nearer to me. As I walked, I felt warmth, and the further I moved into the great cloud, I grew warmer. The ground felt hot on my bare feet, and I was having trouble breathing. I could feel my tears that just moments ago were frozen on my lips, melting. The heat was scorching, the cloud no longer a malicious drape on my skin, but now it was gray smoke and it was choking me. Yet I couldn't stop walking into this furnace, for I knew something. Something fateful and perhaps odious was waiting for me within the forest. The towering trees ignited and began to explode all around me. Fire was everywhere, splashing at my skin, begging me to enter it, to open the door of flames. For it promised me if I did my journey of pain and desperation would finally be seared from my brain. Blink, blink, blink. 
my eyes slowly opened. I had been dreaming, but this was no dream. My loft was filled with smoke. My eyes blasted wide open, and I saw that the entire street side of my loft, right near the bay window I had been sitting at earlier, was on fire. Flames were slashing through the windows. I saw blue and red lights pulsating along my face through the smoke. Standing, I stepped on my bottle of tequila and screamed as my ankle twisted and I fell to the floor. Prone on the floor, I moaned in pain and terror as I went to my knees, tried to stand, screamed from the pain of my twisted ankle, and fell on my rear end. I could barely breathe. To my left, one entire wall was glowing red. I could see flames glowing under my security door, as well as trying to melt their way through the wall. More smoke approached as I used my good leg to push myself backwards across the floor. After several moments, my back was pressed against the only wall where there was no fire and less smoke. I bunched my knees to my chest. I did not feel the pain of my ankle. I was hyperventilating. I felt panic as the fire ate its way towards me. I knew that this is where I was going to die. I heard sirens far down below on the street. More blue, yellow, red lights mixing with the ever-increasing smoke on my face. The fire now was so intense that I could do nothing else but leer at it. I was ready to die, but not like this. Not this way. For some reason, I prayed. Not to any particular god as I felt the heated tears of fire begin to touch my murmuring lips. My eyes closed. I was coughing, could barely breathe. And where was God? Where was he or she? I begged, pled, not like this. I prayed as the world around me exploded. Suddenly there was a tremendous hacking sound. My blue eyes opened and then I heard it again. Hack, hack, hack. The far wall opposite the street seemed to disintegrate as a hole ripped out of the wall appeared within the flames and smoke. My eyes were stark as a god. Or was it a tall giant? Appeared. There was an axe in his gloved hand, oxygen bottles on his back, a pith helmet on his head, a clear faceplate covering his face, and his tan firefighting gear was on his tall, powerful-looking body. Through the smoke and flames, he moved towards me. He reached me, went to a knee, and for a moment, a micro-moment, our eyes locked. He was a she. Her eyes were indigo blue, and what I saw clearly was a goddess. And I was clearly disoriented, choking on the smoke, close to death or unconsciousness, as I smiled and whispered, You've come for me. I have been waiting. Yes, I have come for you, she replied. She smiled and touched my short blonde hair. I could see tufts of her hair under the helmet. She touched my face as she pulled another oxygen mask from the tool belt connected to her tank. She pushed my hair from my forehead and slotted the mask on my head. I immediately felt the rush of pure oxygen as the black walls exploded and fire rushed at us. She instantly fell upon me, protecting me from the fireball. The heat was so intense that her boots were on fire. The fire somehow was sucked back into the wall as she withdrew what looked like an aluminum blanket from her pack and draped me in it head to ankles. As if I were a twig, she lifted me in her arms. And with axe in hand, my arms around her powerful neck, she smelled like smoke and fire, she stood, turned, and leered at my iron security door. 
It was glowing red, and smoke and flames were trying to seep under it. There was no retreat there. I did not know if I was dreaming still, or even if I was alive, or if this was really happening to me. She turned, looked down at her boots that were on fire, took a small extinguisher from her tool belt, and ignited it, extinguishing the fire. She took a moment, stared across the burning loft, thought, and looked again at my eyes. I could see her clearly. Her eyes appeared to be glowing as she took out the ventilator from her mouth and smiled. God, her smile was remarkable. As she whispered, hang on. Before I could reach out and touch her burnt and black smudged face, she turned and began to run through the flames and smoke. She approached a wall. On the other side was my hallway. The smoke was thick, and I could hear her breath bellowing out of her lungs. I felt the power exuding out of her lean, six-foot-two body. She looked everywhere, shook her helmeted head back and forth, and made her decision. She laid me on the floor, kneeling alongside of me, and took her ventilator from her mouth, smiled and whispered, Stay. I nodded my head, smiled back, and she smiled at me again. She replaced her mouthpiece, and with a ferocity that I did not know that a woman, a real woman, had, she began to hack her way through the wall. Instantly, more smoke mixed with the chorus of sirens I heard from somewhere off on the streets. She returned and lifted me like the noodle that I am. I poured my arms around her neck and pressed my face against her neck, my feet dangling like a marionette that has had its strings severed. Once in the hallway, she hesitated, for there was a wall of smoke and flames in front of us. And for the briefest of moments, I thought I could feel her heart pumping blood through her body. She tossed me over her shoulder, fireman style, and with me banging my head against her back, staring at her cool tool belt, she began to run. In and through the flames and smoke, we dissolved, and along for the ride, I was smiling. For I actually felt safe being protected by this giant of a woman. Caught within the vortex and my body feeling the intense heat, we reached another door. My neighbors. She hesitated. Why? I did not know, but she did. She went into a crouch at the side of the door on her knees and protecting my body, she engulfed me entirely with her own body and fireproof tarp as she opened the door. Instantly, flames exploded out of the door past us. After a moment, she peeked around the corner, saw something, stood, flopped me on her shoulder and ran across the exploding room to an open window. She stalled at it and me still hanging on her shoulder. She moved through the window and out onto a ledge. I could hear sirens and people screaming and see the colored fireman lights pulsating everywhere. As she nudged down the ledge, three stories above the street, I could see fire trucks, ambulances, and firemen everywhere. Crowds were lining the fire lines and gawking at the death trap they were witnessing. There were no ladders yet as she moved to another window, looked through it, saw something, and still balancing both of us, she axed her way through the window. We crawled inside and began to run toward another door, me still hanging on for dear life. For what seemed like a lifetime, my lifetime, she ran, and I could feel the fire and heat on my feet. I thought that I was dreaming as I suddenly felt a blast of ice-cold winter air engulf my entire being. The smoke and fire parted, and I could hear men yelling. 
Then I saw the brittle black sky filled with stars and a full moon as my giant fell to her knees. Somehow she laid me gently upon the earth as I heard men running. And then I saw no more. Red, blue, red, blue. I awoke on a wheeled gurney. I was covered with a blanket and an oxygen plate mask was on my face and my blistered and burnt feet were bandaged as the paramedics were moving around near their red and white van. I could hear explosions behind me and the roar of fire, so angry, so filled with fate, as well as hate, everywhere. At the open doors of the paramedic van, the EMTs hesitate as what appeared to be another fireman in black captain's uniform talks to them, giving them instructions, I assume. I lifted myself and stared at the entrance to my loft and gasped. There she was, on her knees, paramedics surrounding her smoking clothes, her short blonde-haired head bent into her bare hands. I do not know if she felt me or sensed me as she lifted her face and stared past the fire hoses and equipment. Our eyes locked and she smiled at me. I gasped, for she was Nordic in appearance with a chiseled face, high cheekbones, sharp nose, and white hair. Perhaps the most oddly beautiful female I have ever seen. For the longest time, she simply stared at me. I felt pain in my heart as she seemed to reel, and the paramedics, seeing her state, leaned down and lowered her to the asphalt, then began attending to her. Caught within my beautiful illusions, other giants loaded me into the van, securing me within the courage of their hero hearts. My eyes closed as the van moved. The lights flashed, and the siren wailed as it stormed into the winter night. My eyes closed, and I did not dream again. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Goddess That Ate Fire. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.